Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the second ever individual Triple Bill podcast from Failed Critic. Uh, I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. But not, once again, by Jerry McCauley. He's not cocked up two podcasts in a row. We just record on the same night one after another, so (laughs) he still couldn't make it. But the theme for Triple Bill this week was our favourite ever sequels. And before we get underway... James is going to read out Jerry's picks. Yeah, so this was part of the the failed listeners week. Um, our listeners, we asked for a theme, and they said, well, that originally they said sequels better than the originals, and I thought that would just get us talking about the same three films that everyone always talks about. So it's just our favourite sequels, full stop. Um, so Jerry, I sadly can't be here, but he has sent me his choices. He did say... Um, Utterly predictable choices, but his choices are um, The Empire Strikes Back, The Dark Knight, and Die Hard 2. Three great sequels. Can't really argue with those. Who knows if there'll be crossover there? We'll have to see. <laughs> kind of leads me to change some of mine on the spot now, because I've had a few... <laughs> I've had, I've, there, was t- there was one that stood out, and the rest were all just very interchangeable. Um, uh, yes. But we'll start with Owen. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, mine, I had the same thing, really, where I was sort of picking and choosing films and dropping one film and bringing another in, and then sort of, like, the next day I'd go, oh, no, well, this film, I'll drop that and bring this in. But the first film I'm going to talk about is, I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, um, but it's X-Men 2. I wanted to go for sort of direct mm-hmm. sequels, and then I thought, so, well, I'm going to narrow it down now to films that have got two in the title. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah, so I was kind of had to restrict myself. But X-Men 2 um, it follows directly on from where the previous film finished off. Uh, it's got Senator Kelly uh, and William Stryker, who's an anti-mutant head, military-type person. They're both at the White House talking to the president, um, discussing, you know, what's to be done with these mutants kind of conversation. Um, and then the following scene is probably one of the best opening scenes from any superhero film ever made, uh, and it's Nightcrawler's Attack on the President. So I don't know whether either of you have seen X-Men yeah, 2, but that, yeah. the effects used there, I just think they just... Yeah, it sets up what is one of the best superhero films, I think, in X-Men 2, uh, rather fantastically. Uh, Magneto, as well, the villain from the first film, he is boxed up in a plastic room with uh, no escape. Wolverine's kind of struggling to understand his origins during the, you know, the Weapon X programme. Rose got boyfriend issues with Iceman, Gene and Cyclops, uh, who incidentally I think is kind of underutilised throughout both films. Um, they're having a bit of a, 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 a rocky relationship at, at the time since Logan's appeared in their lives and um, 
you know, they, eventually, basically, the plot is they all have to work together to stop Striker from using Cerebro, which is the uh, device that Professor X uses to locate mutants uh, because they want because Striker wants to use it to destroy all mutants, uh, as all villains do in all X Men films, <laughs> comics, stories, whatever. Okay, but it's it's a good film. Uh, I'd probably stretch it further than that and actually say it's very good. Everyone is established from in the first film, make an appearance in the second film. Some of those characters are actually built on uh, even more. And a lot of time is actually spent on building up each of the, the more important characters in the film. She, in particular, I think is given a lot more room to, to flex, to expand. Um, while some of the more younger students are also introduced, uh, like Iceman, who appears in the first film, doesn't have much of a role, but he's, he's really worked on quite a lot in this film. Uh, and actually, Rogue is substantially less annoying in this film. I really, she really got on my tips in the first film, but you know, I think she actually plays quite a good role in this film. She's she's working quite well to the story, and the story is much stronger as well. I think Striker, um, he provides a more convincing evil villain than Magneto. With Magneto, there's always that. Um, you know, it's not as black and white as a bad guy and a good guy, you know, he's kind of, uh, there's a grey area there, what he's doing is actually for uh, mutants, he wants to help mutants, but is he going about it the right way? Well, you know, evidently not, <laughs> but Stryker <laughs> yeah. provides that proper, just, he is just a villain, he just wants to yeah. kill all mutants, and um, I think because of that, it helps you to root a little bit more for Magneto, um, and he's, he's perhaps easier to emphasise with anyway due to his background and um, you know what he actually represents through both films, which is you know the oppressed, it's, you know, homosexuals, mm. blacks, Jews, and stuff. So you know, Striker, as I say, just this plain evil villain, and it actually makes the X Men into more of a um, hero figures and a hero team. I think that's what is needed from the X Men. That's what you want from the X Men. You want them to, you want to see them stop an evil villain, and it does it really well. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very entertaining film. It does, doesn't necessarily mean that it's full of explosions or lots of these, you know, over elaborate fight scenes. Although it, it does have quite a, a decent amount of action in it. It's got a nice balance of the action with the storytelling, uh, and like I said before, with um, you know, how Magneto represents other things. There's lots of subtle meanings and hints to much more real concepts that that underlie that story. Um, with, you know, eradication of, of mutants and people. You know, I mean, it's a shame that the, the third film that, that Singer didn't get to complete his story the way that he wanted to. It would have been nice to see this story expanded on a little bit more. Um, but as a standalone story and as a complete, uh, you know, a continuation of the first film, I think it's definitely one of the best superhero films made. And uh, that's, that's why it's one of my favourite sequels. Yeah, it's... it's definitely the best x-men film that's been produced yeah. i think uh, including first class which you know considering that's got michael fassbender in you know <laughs> my feelings on him yeah. that's high praise indeed for me no you're exactly right it, it is the best storyline the characters you know them now they can develop them a little bit more no no totally agree with you cracking film yeah i agree okay well i would agree i just said it was mine anyway <laughs> so, to, uh, i agree with myself anyway terminator 2 is my second choice um, it follows on really, uh, well, I think it is 10 years um, since Sarah Connor was targeted for termination by a cyborg from the future. And this film follows John Connor, her son, 
uh, who will be the future leader of the resistance against the Terminators and the robots and the machines and, and Skynet. And, and he'll that. turn into Christian Bale. And we'll turn into Christian Bale, yeah. <laughs> Although I haven't seen Terminator Salvation purposely. I've still not. Yeah, it. no, people told me it was terrible. I've avoided yeah. it. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's the target now for a newer, more deadly Terminator in the T-1000. Um, and basically, I mean, I know this film's not universally adored by people. Um, you know, really? it kind of de- I think it divides opinion a little bit, quite oh. sharply, between some people who either prefer the first one but hate the second one. Some people, you know, like the second one, prefer the first one. I actually think it's probably a better film than the first. I mean, the thing is, they're both really good films. Um, I think they're made for a slightly different audience. Mm -hmm. You know, Terminators, uh, it's almost, the the first Terminator, it's almost a horror with its tone and style. You know, it's got this... It feels like a John Carpenter film at times. It it feels like a John Carpenter, yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's kind of this relentless machine who's hunting the vulnerable, innocent woman. Um, but it's, it's still sort of kind of grounded in science fiction, obviously, with, you know, mm. it's, it's the, the you know, time travel and all that stuff. But it's, you know, it's brought with a lot of tension and um, these incredible special effects as well for the time. What Terminator do, does, it, it captures a lot of those horror elements, but it, it kind of softens the blow of them. So you've still got this chase by, you know, seemingly unstoppable force with Robert Patrick uh, playing the T-1000, who's probably not quite as menacing as Arnie was, as, as the cold, mm. unemotional, terminating machine that he was. Um, uh, but it's still quite scary when you're younger. I mean, I saw this film for the first time when I was about seven or eight, I think. I was, I was actually at my grandma's house. It was the first time I'd spent the night away from my parents. And I, she had the TV in the bedroom. And I just switched the TV on, and it was the most scary film I'd ever seen, Terminator 2. I mean, I wouldn't be until years later that I saw the first one, but, you know. But it's still, it's just, it's an adventure film with John Connor, Mm. and, you know, I wanted to have this massive, cool friend and bodyguard like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator character to hang around with, and it just captures your imagination a little bit. So I think it it is aimed at perhaps slightly... not perhaps a seven or eight year old yeah, audience, but, but you know, a slightly an adolescent audience. audience, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'd, I'd say you, you said about it leaving some of the horror behind. It's quite interesting. It's actually, I think it's quite similar. The jump from Terminator to Terminator Two, in terms of its tone and also its ambition and scope, mm-hmm. is very similar from the jump from Alien to Aliens, yeah. which is obviously another Cameron big blockbuster kind of mm-hmm. thing. It is. It becomes an action adventure. Um, well, I said it's almost like a, a kind of a boy's own story, isn't it? With Edward Furlong there, like you say, I'd never really thought of it before. But you know about his his robot, <laughs> his robot bodyguard and best mate yeah. kind of thing. It's it is it, it, it it's almost sweet. and obviously the ending itself is really quite sweet and everything as well. Right. So, I mean, if you don't shed a, just a little tear, yeah, yeah you know, well, you the... know me, yeah, I was born, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I mean, if you don't cry at that, you've got no soul, have you? Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, but, you know, you, I mean, you said it yourself, it's a film that's full of action and adventure. And it, I think for, you know, perhaps, you know, like you say, an adolescent audience, it, it's, it's just it's just a fantastic film. Yeah. The younger you see, I think the, the more likely you are to, to fall in love with it as well, perhaps. Yes. Yeah, I think in that's, you know, very similar to, say, Star Wars and things like that. Although I do, you know, I'm not saying it's the same as Star Wars in any shape or form, but it, 
if you see it at an impressionable age, it will make that impression on you definitely. Really? You know, the whole, I mean, the one thing that it does actually do quite well, um, which, uh, I'm, you know, I've, I've made my point about Star Wars before, but I don't think Star mm. Wars kind of does the same thing, where it's got quite a very complex plot behind it. And, I mm. mean, on the face of it, it's just a robot chasing a kid and a ro- uh, and his robot friend, you know. Yeah. But there's the whole Skynet stuff to it, and it's very easy to overcomplicate an idea like that. You know, something about time travel and, you know, the stuff that happens in the future. You can get very modelled up with paradox. Mm. Um, but I think James Cameron, he does very well to keep keep this kind of story continuing whilst not getting too tied up in, in all these different sort of paradoxes that, that quite possibly are occurring. You know, the film makes a lot of sense. The plot is very straightforward. Mm. I'm sure there are a lot of theories around that kind of proves that it's not actually as straightforward as it seems. But maybe that's credit to Cameron for, for making it seem that way. Yes. I think that's really important. With time travel films, I think it's really important, even if there are maybe one or two paradoxes, that unless you go looking for them, you don't find them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, the other thing that it does very well is the special effects in it. You know, mm. oh, oh, they were groundbreaking at the time. Were- Incredible stuff. Yeah. And all the action scenes, you know, the, the scene with the, um, the lorry and the army mm. on his bike and stuff. Yeah, groundbreaking stuff. And, um, so and Guns and Roses, yeah. <laughs> so that's why that is my other choice. Okay. And, uh, so you mentioned that there was, I think you mentioned there was crossover possibly. Yeah, and it wasn't either of those two. I'm, yeah. I'm waiting well, for your number um, one choice. I'm, I'm almost convinced Owen's it's pick- going to be another Owen's one picking films with two in the title. Yeah. So, um, oh, God, yeah, no. Two, oh, no. So it's uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, both of you picked. <laughs> I've just realised, no, Owen's going with two. I, I'm not going to have crossover. This is a shock. Oh, oh interesting. I okay. don't think so, anyway. No? Right, well, okay. Well, my final choice is Godfather Part 2. Oh, it's another one. No, it's not, it's not crossover. I'll explain oh, later, oh, but... <laughs> Excited. Um, all right, now, Godfather Part 2. I saw it this week. Um, probably why that I've chose it, because it's still fresh in my mind. Uh, Again, picks up directly from where the first film left off, pretty much, with uh, Pacino playing Michael, Michael Corleone, the head of the family, with capital mm. F, uh, as he tries to expand his reach um, of the family, whilst also keeping his family, lowercase f, together. <laughs> uh, it also tells the story of um, Vito Corleone's arrival in the US in the very early 20th century, who is played by Bobby De Niro. Um, yeah. He puts in a fantastic performance. Okay. I have talked about the first film on the podcast before, um, so I won't go into too much detail about why I love the first film. Um, but what I did remember about the Godfather films, um, from you know, is that actually I prefer the first to the second. Um, and I was told by someone before that that's quite odd, <laughs> as well. Most people think the sequel tops it, but I'm, I'm not entirely convinced of that. But the both. Just- I think it's one of the rare occasions where a sequel might be considered to top it. I agree with you. I think the first one is better. But it's one of the few ones where the second one is at least kind of mm-hmm. almost as good or better in some people's eyes. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant film, isn't it? I'm, it? You know, I think as good as De Niro is as well. And as brilliantly as uh, Pacino steps up to being the face of the film, it kind of misses a certain something that Brando brings to the film in the, in the first film. 
you know, him not being there perhaps means there's a little bit more room for the other actors to uh, expand into. Maybe that's why you know Pacino and De Niro seem as good as they are. Um, but you know, in the first film, perhaps Brando did he uh, overshine everyone else in the film just a tad? Maybe. Yeah. He was unequivocally, unequivocally the star of the first film, and I know he, he couldn't feature at all in the first film because to have him pop up, even just in a cameo role. It'd just be a slap in the face to everyone else who's involved in this film. Uh, because it's, I think it's just on-screen presence would just diminish everybody else's. Um, but, you know, I kind of miss, kind of missed him. I, I'll be honest. I, I do like um, everyone else in this film. I think Bobby De Niro, he does... Uh, I'm going to keep calling him Bobby De Niro. Instead of, oh, OK. Yeah, because uh, do you ever watch Adam and Joe? Yes, the Bobby De Niro song, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Bobby... But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Brando probably plays the character. It plays the character better than, than De Niro does. But um, De Niro does a very good impression of an early. But you know, other than that, I can't really fault it at all. I think um, you know, I could talk about how good it is in each and every different aspect, but everyone already knows how good it is already. You know, it'd be foolish to just go on about how beautiful the sets are and how superb the music is, stunning the performances, or, you know, emotional the story is. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it's just one of the best films that, um, you know, best sequels ever ever written and committed to the screen. I haven't actually seen Godfather 3 all the way through either. Um, I've rented it about three times, but never <laughs> watched it in the, the time that I needed to. Um, but I was never impressed with the bits that I did see. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and automatically assume Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 3. I, I think, think that's, that's a safe assumption. Isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, those are my three films. And I was surprised, actually. I thought there might be a little bit of crossover. Mm. Oh, um, my first film is Star Wars Episode 5. <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back. No crossover, but I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. It's crossover with Jerry. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, after the, after the first film, which is in fact the fourth film, uh, you think, you know, they could have ended it after the first film. Everything's wrapped up quite nicely. Luke Skywalker's blowing up the Death Star using the Force, so he's now a Jedi. Darth Vader, for all everyone knows, gone spinning off into space and is dead. So's Tarkin, and the Emperor's not even been mentioned yet. So it looks like the Rebels, thanks to Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca and various others, have won. But they haven't. The Empire's still knocking about. Darth Vader didn't die. There is an Emperor who's appeared in this film, briefly. Um, and the Rebels have gone into hiding on some little icy planet. But it's by far the best Star Wars film. It's the darkest. It's probably got the most plot development um, and the most going on. And it's got some of the best moments in all six Star Wars films or all three that actually exist in my mind. <laughs> but you know Owen hates Star Wars, so Oh yeah, I detest them all. So yeah. I'll talk I'll talk to I'll talk to James for a little bit. <laughs> I do I just want to say I think it is the best of the films. Yes. Oh no I totally agree. It is the best Star Wars film without a shadow of a doubt. Um 
because you've got the character development. You've it, it's almost Greek in places, you know, kind of borrowed borrowed from Greek tragedy. But it, it, you know, there is that kind of uh, classic narrative that you've got in there. Um, but you don't have cute furry animals. Um, no, you've got you've Boba got... Fett, who is the coolest bounty hunter ever committed he's to the, film. He's the coolest minor part in film. Yeah. Without exactly. a doubt. You've got Lando fucking Calrissian, who is awesome. And um, apparently the only black man in space until we meet yes. Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> 30 years previously. Um, but yeah, and uh, introduces us to Yoda. Uh, yeah, that's so much po- so much of popular culture mm. owes a debt to this I film. Mean, Luke Skywalker goes under the most intense transformation mm. as a character because he, he meets Yoda and has to undergo his Jedi training, which transforms him not you know as a person he stops being a whiny little bitch in this film basically he he becomes a man in this film uh it's it's a coming of age tale for him um but yeah no it's it does it it does everything that star wars did well Mm. and improves on the bits that star wars is a little bit ropey at i mean you get all the you get all the big you get the big reveal in that one as well from darth vader um, yeah, it's, a, it's a more mature progression, isn't it? Mm. And it ends on a downer. You know, yeah. It ends on, it ends on a massive yeah. downer with Han Solo Han's having been frozen, frozen in carbonite, <laughs> taken by Boba Fett to Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, Luke's em- lost his hand. Yeah, the Empire's the still at large. Yeah. yeah, the bad guys have won in this film. And I, at the time, I mean, obviously, I only saw it once they were re-released around 99. But when they came out originally... Did people know there was going to be a third film after Empire? Or yeah, people what? I think they did. When the credits are rolling, it's actually got, you know, five, the Roman numeral B, you know, five yeah. actually in the credits that it's rolling. So I think people sort of, oh, well, that's odd because Star Wars, when that came out in the cinema, didn't have hmm. anything in the title. So I think it was kind of assumed, oh, well, there will be more films, including prequels. And it's got possibly one of my favourite lines in film, especially when you find out that it was completely improvised, when um, Princess Leia says to Han Solo, I love you, and he just turns back and goes, I know. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> that's just... It's kind of thing you want to say to any girl who ever says that, you just yeah. want to go, yeah, I know. In a really <laughs> arrogant fashion, but you just it's know it's really line. not worth the trouble. But yeah, it's just love the way that that was improvised. He had so many lines, sort of, they yeah. practised and it didn't work, and he just came out with that off-cuff. It was just... Harrison's a great improviser. Harrison Ford also improvised the um, scene in Raiders for the Lo- Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the guy is doing all the fancy sword tricks, and then uh, Indiana Jones just gets out and gun and shoots him. Yeah, uh, is- and that wasn't in the script because Harrison Ford was suffering from stomach trouble at the time and desperately needed the toilet, <laughs> and did that. And then they went, actually, no, that's brilliant. Yeah. So Harrison Ford, he, he he respects no script. The man, <laughs> improv legend. <laughs> The second film out of my three is 28 Weeks Later. Interesting choice, okay. Uh, Not as good a film as the first, but still Mm. a very good film. Um, Moves the the story on. Obviously, 28 Days Later, Britain is completely torn apart by... They're not zombies, are they, Owen? (laughs) Yes, they are. They are. Are they? Don't listen to Danny Boyle. They they run. Zombies don't run. (laughs) Because if zombies do run and it well, happens, I'm buggered. If they can amble about slowly, I'm probably going to survive. 
Yeah, all my plans are being what happens if there's a zombie apocalypse that breaks out. And that is the kind of thing I do think about. I think yeah. I've got a brick wall around my garden. And then I think, well, what, what if I could jump? See, I was thinking all zombie films up until then, they amble around slowly. Then Danny Boyle throws in these running bastards into the mix. <laughs> and I think, Jesus, I've yeah, got to rethink everything. With rage, whatever. No, Danny. I mm. love you, Danny. Um, but stop talking nonsense. That's a zombie. <laughs> but anyway. They're not, so, they're not Romero zombies. But they are they're zombies. not Romero zombies, but they're zombies. But yeah, in the, in the sequel, 28 Weeks, not directed or anything by Danny Boyle, but still... Um, an excellent film. Britain has been rid, well, it's been rid of the zombies or whatever they actually are by what seems like the Americans or at least the UN force led by the Americans. They're trying to resettle the country, starting off on the Isle of Dogs. Um, but before that, the opening scene of that film, like Owen said of X-Men 2, the opening scene is one of the best in film or on that genre of film. You know, the opening where they're in the house and the little boy comes knocking on the door and he says, who's chasing you? My family. And the rest of just this horde run over the hill and attack everyone in that house. It's just gripping yeah, to watch. I think it's one of the best from the genre. I'm not sure about the rest of the film for 28 weeks, but that you're right, that opening scene is just so tense. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's, they, they managed to capture that whole... Um, you know, the massive zombies running towards it. It's just incredible. And uh, finally, as we're pushed for time, my final film out of the three is Toy Story 3. Nice. Okay. Um, it's better than Toy Story 2, or else I would have picked Toy Story yeah. 2, obviously. Not that Toy Story 2 is a bad film. I mean, the Toy Story trilogy is one of the uh, anom- anomalies where all three films in the trilogy are very good. Yeah. There's not there's not many trilogies where one film doesn't let it down. But yeah. as you know, until they decided apparently that they're gonna make a Toy Story four, um, which I just feel you know, sick about really. I don't know what they're <laughs> playing at. This ends off what is meant to be a trilogy perfectly in terms of the toys, their journey and Andy who owns all the toys, his journey as well. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. Guess what? I cried at the end of this one. Um, I did a little bit at the end and, of that one. And fi- I finally saw um, Totoro from my neighbour Totoro in it when I oh, watched yeah. it uh, last week with my daughter. So I saw Totoro there. No, it's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful film. I mean, um, it's 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 I, it's hilarious. It's really funny in parts. I mean, Ken is a show stealer as yeah. in that film as a new character. He's fantastic. Yeah, he was one of my choices, wasn't he? He Keaton. was your, one of yeah. your Keaton choices, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's um, oh yeah, it's Spanish buzz. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, it's got a great plot to it as well, sort of a. Yeah, um, I think I think it take it really improve. It's quite in a way, it's a bit of a similar plot mm. to a lot of things that happened in Toy Story Two, but it does all of that better, mm. in my opinion. And, um, and you've also it, got it's more grounded. You've got some lovely new characters. Yeah. And you've also got the ending, sort of, where Andy has kind of realises he has to give up his toys and gives them to that girl. But you know, mm. and the toys realise that they can't hang around in Andy's loft for the rest of their existence because yeah. you know they can quite happily make some other child happy. And it makes an old person like me feel really old because I realise 
it's one of those times where you go, oh, what those people, like when I left school, so Andy was born probably around the time I left school, and now he's going to college. Oh, God, I feel so old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was one of those kids who had a Buzz Lightyear toy. So to, see, to make a world and see him giving away a Buzz Lightyear toy makes me think, oh, shit. <laughs> you need to give yours away now. I mean, yeah. stop, stop taking it to bed with you. <laughs> Uh, what's what's your three then, James? Okay, my three then. Well, um, I've I've had to do a quick bit of research during that bit because I thought Owen was going to help me out on one of these, but oh, well, I'm I'm surprised you didn't have this. Owen. Okay, my first choice is um, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, George okay. Romero's <laughs> 1978 film. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, follows on from Night of the Living Dead. And I know you said recently that George Romero's got the Off the Dead trademark, and mm-hmm. the other chap has the Living Dead. A bit. So, Dawn of the Dead, um, guess what? Zombies still taking over the earth. Um, slow zombies. Yeah, proper slow zombies. Proper, proper zombies. Ones that I can um, deal with. So, from a TV studio, uh, a group, you know, a kind of disparate group of people take a helicopter, um, fly out of the city, decide to try and find somewhere a bit secluded, um, and end up uh, with a stop on the way, but end up landing on top of a shopping mall and basically making their base there. and Pretty much, it feels like making their final stand there. They're going to wait there. At first, it feels like uh, an oasis in the desert. You know, they've they've landed on a shopping mall. I remember as a kid, I used to think it would be really brilliant to be locked in a shopping centre after dark and be able to kind of go around all the shops and stuff. And there is an element of that to them when they first get there. They're like, wow, we've got everything we could ever need here. Um, But... It, and, you know, the fact is they can't keep the zombies out forever. They are relentless. And once the zombies realise that they're, they're there, um, it becomes a real kind of like tense battle. Uh, and it's got that great Romero comment on commercialism, the fact that these zombies are still coming to the... They, they, they've got no money, they're not here to shop, but they're just doing what they remember doing while they were alive. So they're coming to the shopping centre and wandering up and down the escalators and stuff like that. It's a great film. It's my favourite zombie film ever. Um, and it, it's one of my favourite sequels. It's a, a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, and yeah, I, 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 this was the one I thought was going to be on Owen's list. Well, I could, I would have chosen Dawn of the Dead and I'd have to have had Day of the Dead. And I thought, oh, I can't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I avoided it altogether. So I was it's like choosing choose... between your children. You, you decided <laughs> <Yeah>. not to. <laughs> so I thought, no, I can't, I can't have Dawn of the Dead. Um, but no, it, I, I totally wanted to choose it because it's a fantastic film. I also thought, because I've chosen it before for a different, different film. Yeah. So I'm glad you've chosen it. I'm glad it's Good. made its, it's way still, into the It's box. still got its way in, that's right. Yeah. Um, my second film is... I, I, basically what I did is I tried to... I avoided Godfather Part 2 and Terminator 2 simply because I thought they were absolute givens. And so I just thought it's almost like a wasted choice because someone else will have already chosen it. Um, and I also did avoid, I tried to avoid films which were part of a set trilogy. And again, Godfather Part 2 is part of that. Lord of the Rings is part of that as well, and things like that. I thought I want them to be, have been almost organically, you know, come from an original film. And then they went, oh, should we make some more? Rather than going, well, there's always going to be three films. Um, so my second one is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I mentioned Indiana Jones just now. I, I love the indie films. Um it's the third film of the Indiana Jones series. I didn't choose the direct sequel, Temple of Doom, because I think it's 
it's the weakest of the three, and I don't mention the fourth. Um, <laughs> yeah, and in this one, Dr. Henry Jones Sr. goes missing uh, while he's pursuing the Holy Grail. And so Indy's got to save his dad and stop the Nazis using the Holy Grail for their evil ends. To me, it sums up everything that is brilliant about Indiana Jones. We've got Harrison Ford, uh, but now we've also got added Sean Connery and they're the, the kind of repartee between those two. It's fantastic to see Indiana Jones is your hero as a kid. You think, God, I wish I could be Indiana Jones. But then his dad is like talking down to him, making him feel like a child. I think no one should talk to Indiana Jones like that, but there's his dad talking to him. like, And you find out that actually his real name's Henry and he called the cat Indiana. And Indy thought that was a cooler name. So took that name, um, which I think is great. And yeah, so it's got that. It's got Nazis. It's got religious iconography and supernaturalness. It's also got some fantastic locations, especially the finale in Petra of Jordan, which looks amazing. Brilliant lines. It's just, you know, the, the great soundtrack directed by Spielberg. It's, it is perfect Sunday afternoon viewing for the entire family. And yeah, I love the indie films. Can't wait for them to come out on Blu-ray in October, I think it is. And this is one of my favorite sequels of all time. And that leads me. Hate me, but I, uh, I, I think I prefer <laughs> when you said it's the worst of the, the franchise. You prefer Temple? <laughs> I do. Probably it's racist just a... Temple. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so silly and fun. It just captures what is. <laughs> Temple of Doom's the first one I watched actually. Um, yeah. Temple of yeah. Doom's the one with the eating the brain monkey. Uh, yeah, the, the, the monkey brain. Monkey. Yeah, that whole then... film. <laughs> <laughs> And and the mouthy kind of Chinese kid and stuff, yeah. Yeah, sure do. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> I, I know, it's not, it's not, you know, a lot of people don't like it. Yeah, no, it, it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. I, I, I do think that. Um, and my last one, which, I, again, I'm surprised no one's actually come up with, but I've gone for Back to the Future Part 2. Directed by Robert Zemeckis uh, from 1989. Chosen two 80s films there, you might have noticed, Owen. I, I noticed your remarks earlier <laughs> today on a certain forum, anyway. Um, <laughs> obviously, nothing in my mind can top the original uh, Back to the Future. It is one of the few perfect f- films for me. I, I, I cannot fault a single bit of Back to the Future. However, this is a genuinely ambitious film. Um, and we were talking earlier about Terminator 2 having a, com- you know, could be a complicated time travel storyline, but it does a really good job of translating that for a potential adolescent stroke family audience. Uh, Back to the Future, you know, they've got multiple timelines. They've got alternative timelines going on here. It's almost um, as confusing as Primer. <laughs> I think that's a bit. I think I think if you have to study a flowchart after you watch Back to the Future Part Two, you might have some personal issues. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Primer every day ever since I've seen it. Still, um, but yeah, this is this is a simpler film. Um, but yeah, you've got bits in 1955, you've got bits in 1985, you've got bits in 2015. Um, it, it, it is brilliant. It carries on the humour of the first one. And what I really love is the nice touches, which, you know, touch on the first one. The fact that there is another, there's a skateboard race, but this time it's on hoverboards. Um, 
I love the way they cut in original footage from the first film and the way they go back to the events of the first film. I think that is it's genuinely great writing. And I just think it's really sad. I, I, it's really sad that they recast George McFly because Crispin Glover refused to come back to it. So all they did is used his footage from the first film and then cast someone called Jeffrey Wiseman and made him up to look like Crispin Glover. So any new shots of George McFly are Crispin Glover wearing sunglasses from the back and the side. Um, and Crispin Glover sued the studio and won, I think, three quarters of a million dollars in a payout there. And then the Actors Guild changed a load of rules about illicit use of actors and stuff like that. And they also recast Jennifer and put Elizabeth Shue in and then had to refilm the end of Back to the Future with everyone a bit older. Um, Apparently in the five years between the films as well, uh, Michael J. Fox had forgotten how to ride a skateboard. So I had to (laughs) read how to ride a skateboard for this film as well. So it's almost kind of like from the ashes of almost, it sounds like it should have been a disaster almost. It's far too, it is a lot darker. And we talked about Empire earlier. This middle section of this um, film trilogy, and please, God, let there not be a fourth. Um, I, I really don't think there could be a fourth. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, but I've, I've heard talk of like prequels and we- I've, I've heard all sorts of weird talk about that. But um, yeah, please, God, leave it alone. Um, but yeah, this is you know, there's some really dark elements. George McFly gets shot. Biff's alternate um, 1985 is just. It's a horrendous vision of the future, but it's not of the future. It's of the present. Um, horrible, horrible time. Um, and again, it ends on a bit of a, it ends a bit like Empire in a way, in that there is a lot of bad stuff going on, but there is this hope for the future and maybe they can fix it. But yeah, Back to the Future Part 2 is rare. I can I can sit down and just watch this in isolation because it is such a genuinely great, ambitiously written film i can't just watch back to the future three in isolation i need to have watched that after watching the first two gearing me up for it this i don't have to have watched the first one first i can just sit down and say i'm going to watch back to the future too um and i think that's the great sign of how brilliant a film it is i'd love to have seen them on a big screen back to the future films i think yeah I mean, I'm, I'm a bit too young to, to have seen them uh, in a cinema. Uh, I don't think they've ever been re-released, have they? they, they the first one was not long ago. Yes. Oh, was it? Certain cinemas um, will sometimes, because um, a cinema near me, but I was away on holiday, showed all three in one day on the big screen. Mm. Uh, but you, you might, so there are definitely prints of it about. Yeah. And so What's small. Independent cinemas might show them like that, although it is due a re-release, a big proper re-release. And as seems to be happening quite recently, as they gear up to blue, although it's already been released on Blu-ray, so yeah, it's probably missed out that chance of like a limited re-release. Mm-hmm. Jaws did, and Chariots of Fire did, and stuff like that. And uh, they 3D it. Uh, oh Christ, no! <laughs> I want the IMAX experience. I want it in IMAX. There we go. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's it for Triple Bill this week. We'll be back at the same time next week with James Witch theme. Our next Triple Bill will be, um, because next week we're going to go and see The Bourne Legacy, we will be choosing our 
favourite fight scenes of all time. So not just not our favourite films with fight scenes, but our three very specific fight scenes. And hopefully um, on the blog, we'll be able to link to YouTube bits of those actual fight scenes, the way we did with the speeches that time. So that would be quite nice. Wonderful. Yeah, so uh, join us next week for that. And hopefully Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 